It's a new world order They've locked down the border Wherever we are That's where we have to stay No time for blame This is a runaway train Gotta apply the brakes For the future of humanity Gotta do whatever it takes Hold on We're all in this together It's a catch cry of the day We gotta be, period There is no other way But hey, can't cry all night There's a war to fight An enemy to put away Keep the faith Isolate Help is on the way Hi you guys, this is Richard Sachs This is Lost Arts Radio again I'm glad to see you back here And we have a fun show today With a friend of ours Who's been coming on for several years Who actually I was fortunate to Be associated with Before Lost Arts Radio even started And he was the way that I found Our engineer and producer And a uh, longtime friend now Doug Diamond And that was Russ Tanner Who was on the Geoengineering Watch radio show With me once a week And I was on there for several months as one of our three hosts with myself, Russ, and Dan Wigington, who's still doing great work at geoengineeringwatch.org. Massive amounts of information there that you might like to look at. So um, Russ has another site that's one of the biggest geoengineering sites. Geoengineering, no, globalskywatch.org. I think, or com. Com, .com. I'll get it right eventually. I'll keep saying it. <laughs> Globalskywatch.com, and it, it's got massive amounts of useful information, um, updates on the news related to geo- geoengineering. And one thing that I've appreciated on it, too, is links to uh, geoengineering groups in all parts of the world. And I've had uh, connection with groups in various different countries by using Russ's site to get there. Uh, lots of good information. So Russ had an interesting inv- adventure with Facebook lately. We'll get into that and into what his plans are now, what else he's doing, and what's going to be happening with globalskywatch.com. Um, a lot of interesting things are going to always come out of our discussions with Russ. So uh, let's see where it goes. And welcome, Russ, and thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Oh. You're one of the few people that I know that is busy more than 24 hours a day. It's like time compressed to keep catching up with everything or try to. So you're, you're involved in a lot of projects. So I always like to include uh, people who have never met us before, even people who don't know what a geoengineering might be and Uh, Start with some of your background because it's interesting and extensive to back before you got interested in geoengineering and why did you get focused on that? What led you up to it? And then we'll get into what's happening now. Yeah, well, that's real simple. Um, Basically, my nose and my eyes led me there. Um, At the time, I lived in Jamestown, New York, and um, um, I had 
uh, was, was living there just doing business and doing what I do day after day, trying to educate the public about health and uh, the science behind herbal supplements and uh, nutrition and such like that. And um, one day I started smelling and tasting. Uh, I started tasting metal in the air really bad. My sinuses started burning. I got a headache. This was all of a sudden. It just started happening within the period of about 15 minutes. I got this metallic taste in my mouth, and it got really, really intense. And um, I looked out the window, and there were these jet trails in the sky. And um, I'd never seen anything like that before. Um, it, with with a rare exception, there is some. There, I had seen them before, back two years earlier, and I was very confused because I'd never seen them before that. Anyway, the air got so bad. I had an employee meeting. I had three employees at the time, and uh, I couldn't meet with them. I felt so bad. My uh, thoughts were racing. It actually felt like mercury toxicity to me, interestingly enough. But anyway, it was really, really horrible. And so it was the taste, the smell. I looked out the window and saw these uh, these trails in the air. Um, and that's how I got involved in this. And it really started hurting my body. This was in uh, November of 2005. And so I ended up, by 2008, I actually moved out of that area because the the releases of aerosols in the uh, in that area were so strong I could not function. I had spent many times on the couch or in bed holding my chest, having trouble breathing, heart thumping, my heart was skipping beats, uh, terrible muscle and joint pain. A lot of people might have been diagnosed with fibromyalgia, although I didn't go to the doctor for any of this because I knew it was caused by the jet trails because whenever I could smell or taste this stuff in the air, that's when the symptoms came. So that was how I got into this. Okay, and one question that comes up right away is how did you know that those uh, lines behind the aircraft were not ice crystals because most people are sure that's what they are. And that's what you hear from authority figures in the government agencies and from the weather service. Even recently, they're telling people that. How did you know that it was something else? Um, Well, because I have a long history. You know, when I was a kid, back in even elementary school, I loved jets and rockets. And I used to collect pictures of jets and rockets. And I actually would spend my lunch money because, you know, that back in the day when we would actually get change and you'd mm-hmm. have 50 cents and you'd go to go to school and then you'd give them your 50 cents and they'd give you a meal. That's kind of wow. how it worked back in that day. Um, well, I would take that 50 cents and I would go to the rock. This is when I lived in Maryland. I remember uh, this is when I started collecting all these things, um, all these pictures. I would go to the little Rockville uh, Maryland, I lived there for a couple of years, um, library, and I would take my change. Instead of eating lunch, I would use that for the copy machine. Mm. Um, back then, copies were like a nickel or something or a dime, and you could get use their copy machine. And I started collecting massive amounts of pictures of jets and rockets. Well, in all my life, even when I was a young kid and looking at all this stuff and reading books related to that, I'd never seen a trail come out of a jet ever, except at an air show. I've never seen anything like it. So... Uh, obviously there was something wrong that all of a sudden in Jamestown, the skies were clear and beautiful because Jamestown is a beautiful area. It's almost like a rainforest there because we had lake effect, you know, precipitation from uh, Lake Erie, right? Okay. Yeah. So all of a sudden these jet trails start appearing in across the sky and literally created overcast conditions day after day. Of course it's overcast there a lot anyway, but I would see on clear days, they would 
grid the sky, and within two hours, the sky was covered, and I was smelling and tasting the metal so strongly on many days I couldn't function. Did that start all at once, and before that it didn't happen at all, or was it gradual buildup? Actually, the previous year, it was a gradual buildup. November 2005 is when they started doing it daily. But in the previous year, I had seen sporadic trails here and there in the sky. Mm-hmm. And, I w- and I took some pictures. I actually have pictures of some of the trails I saw before November 2005 because I was confused by this. I was like, what are, what are, what's going on here? So they kind of, in that previous year... And I started having weird symptoms too. I, you know, I started having a little bit of metal taste. So it seemed like it really was a gradual buildup. And then mm-hmm. that day in November, I remember the day so clearly. I had two employees, um, in one was in the same office with me and one was next door, uh, in our house. I had house and I had it divided up into, you know, um, so, uh, we actually went outside and started looking at these trails, but that's the day when the, the, the taste and the smell was so intense that I could not have our employee meeting. And uh, so, yeah, there was a gradual buildup in the previous year that started making me wonder what all these jet trails were in the sky. So you mentioned employees a few times. Why don't you bring people up to date on what kind of employees and what were you involved in? And maybe we'll see a connection or not, depending on what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, uh, since uh, we started in, uh, in, uh, 1997, we started publishing, we published our first book, which was a 600 page, well, then it was about 500 pages and eventually was expanded to 600 pages on, uh, the, the science between, between, uh, behind herbs and nutritional supplements. And my mm-hmm. business partner and best friend, Laura, got involved in this because we both were mercury toxic and it took us years to figure out why we were getting sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. And by the year 2000, I was tremendously sick. I was working four hours a day. I had 17 physical symptoms. I had emotional symptoms that were just overwhelming me. And I thought I was dying. I thought I had cancer. I thought, I I didn't think I had cancer, but that was one of the things I entertained. Is this what happens when certain types of cancer or what is going on in my body? And finally, I realized, uh, I found an article online, a woman who had written, who had mercury poisoning, and it was her story looked like my story Mm. and I was like interesting. And, um, shortly thereafter, a girl that I worked with occasionally who actually I brought in and she actually helped do web design with me. uh, I told her that I had, uh, something happened with my teeth. And one night I was grinding my teeth at night, which is called bruxism. And it got Mm. worse and worse. And a tooth had shifted forward about a millimeter and I was very freaked out because my teeth had always been perfect. And I told her while we were on break, I told her about this. I said, the weirdest thing happened. And she goes, that, does that tooth have a filling in it? And I'm like, I, I felt my tongue. I'm like, yeah, actually it does. She goes, your body is rejecting the mercury that's in that filling. And that's why your teeth are shifting and you're having these problems. And then she went on to tell me, and this is the first time I ever heard this. I didn't know fillings had mercury in them. This was brand mm-hmm. news, new news to me. She yeah. had had fibromyalgia. And for five years, went to doctor, 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 uh, took medication after medication. Finally, she went online, did some research, started having her fillings out. She was bedridden, couldn't work. After she had some of her fillings out, she was able to go back to work. So wow. this is this is how I learned about mercury. So 
uh, eventually we use that whole experience to uh, to help educate people about toxicity and detox and herbs and all of that stuff. That's and how those, the did did the experience with with that toxicity get you involved in the herbs or vice versa? The experience with toxicity got us involved in the herbs. Okay. And the funny thing is, you find out that many uh, nutritionists, many uh, home, uh, homeopaths, many uh, practitioners who practice herbs, you will find, because we know a lot of them across the United States, because we've mm-hmm. sold our book and we've uh, given you know uh, them websites and, and provided services for many herbalists across the United States. That is the most common story with herbalists, is that they couldn't get rid of an illness. They did it themselves. Right. And then they said, I want to share this with the world. So they, they got into this business. Very common story. And those fillings that you're talking about are what you, you get at the dentist or you can get at the dentist, and which interestingly enough are not called mercury fillings. They're called silver fillings because that sounds like putting something really good in your body. Yeah, right. silver silver sounds cool. Mercury does not sound cool. I mean, we've known for how many centuries after centuries that mercury is toxic and very bad for you. Yeah. And yet scientists decided, you know, was it scientists or was it corporate scientists that decided to put this highly toxic substance into your mouth? It, it would be interesting to know how that decision came about, wouldn't it? I think it came about because they realized that the more people they have sick, the more money they're going to make selling their drugs and their medical services to. Yeah, certainly about money at the middle levels, at least. Yeah. Um, okay, so you ended up building a, a business out of that subject that you wanted people to know about and started what were you distributing herbs or just the information? I did. We became distributors for a company called Nature Sunshine Products at the time, uh, which is North America's largest and oldest herb company. Hmm. And we decided to write product write-ups for their products because it was they had such a huge line of products. We had toured their their uh, their complex in uh, Spanish Fork, Utah, which is where they're based. They had great quality control. They had some of the best supplements, and I started using them and had kept myself functional during those years between 1995 and 2000 when I discovered it, mercury was the problem. That five years, I used herbs extensively to keep myself functional until I figured out what was wrong. So, yeah, so we, we uh, the, the herbs came first, and then we decided to go into business to share it with the world. Yeah, and so the main source of the mercury that was bothering you was coming out of the sky from what you could tell, right? Well, originally in two in two thousand, that was the fillings were the source because when I had my fillings removed, my seventeen physical symptoms vanished. Eighty five percent of them vanished overnight. I had the best night's sleep I'd ever had in my life. The night my fillings were taken out, within three months, my remaining uh, symptoms went away, and the emotional, the depression which I had suffered with from since I was a teenager, I had terrible depression that most people didn't know about because I was ashamed to share it with anybody. Only a couple right. of people closest to me knew how much suffering I went through. That was gone, completely gone within three months. Most of it before wow. three months, but wow. by three months, every single symptom that I had had, and I spent the next four and a half years until 2005, from two, uh, November to, uh, not November, it was July 2000, 2000 when I had the things removed, and then November 2005 when they started spraying us. So I had four and a half years in there where okay. life was amazing. No health problems whatsoever. First time in my life. 
since I was a child. Wow. So there's a lot to learn from that observation. One of the things would be that if your symptoms went away overnight from taking the fillings out, that means the mercury had to be very volatile. And there's been, uh, you know, photographs of gas coming off the fillings when they're under pressure, which is the mercury escaping, I think, right? Off gas. Yeah. yeah, if you put a phosphorescent screen up, which is a screen emitting certain wavelength of light, and then you let mercury fillings off gas in front of that screen, mm-hmm. if that uh, light that's emitted by the screen is emitting light in the same wavelength that the mercury vapor um, absorbs, mm-hmm. you can actually see the dark uh, fumes coming off of a filling okay. um, in front of the screen. So, yeah, you're familiar, I know, with that video that's become quite popular. Yeah. Uh, might be from the University of Calgary. I'm not sure where they actually did their, their, the uh, IAOMT, I believe, did that video where they showed the, the fumes coming off of a mercury-based filling. Right, because I know ADA, the American Dental Association, and the dentists that memorize whatever they're supposed to say from that are always telling people, well, yeah, it's technically got mercury in the fillings, but it's totally bound. It doesn't do anything. It's completely safe or they would never have authorized it, and it doesn't escape, etc. And that, that narrative would totally fall apart if everybody saw that video. Right. Well, that narrative, yeah, not, that narrative was just a made-up lie. There was absolutely no science behind that to back it up. And this, this is what people need to learn: is that a lot of stuff that's called science today is are, are fairy tales, they, memorized. They're narratives, exactly. They make yeah. these things up. They teach them in school, like right. you said. They'll teach them in school. The dentists don't know any better. They're like, oh, we're just going to use. And the then tr- you have to repeat them back on a test to make sure that's what you'll say to a, a patient. And not only do, and not only is that the way they make sure you say it to a patient, but they'll pull your license if you suggest to a patient that your illnesses may be caused by mercury. In fact, that's what happened to uh, Dr. Yeah. Hal Huggins. That's what happened to Dr. Hal Huggins, who wrote the book that I first read. This is the book I read the day after I discovered that mercury filling, that amalgam fillings have mercury in them. Uh-huh. I went to Tampa. I had looked all over. I actually called Hal Huggins' office because I found uh, his information online. Called yeah, he was office. still alive at that time. He was, yes, back in those days, yes. Yeah. Um, but he did pass, the year, uh, pass away several years ago. But, um, but he lost his license because he was actually having people getting rid of people's uh, diseases, including MS was one of the things where he'd have people with MS come in his office. He would take their fillings out. And on at least one occasion, a person who had been wheel bo- wheelchair bound for uh, years, if I remember correctly, uh-huh. was able to walk with some assistance, was able to walk for the first time out of the office with some assistance. Wow. That's pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I mean about it, showing that the, the mercury has to be super volatile, the opposite of what we're told, because the symptoms wouldn't change within, what, an hour or two. Unless well, I, it was constant dosing before. Exactly. And I don't think it's, it's not only mercury. Mercury is bad enough, and everybody knows mercury is highly toxic. Mm-hmm. But first, first of all, your body clears mercury very quickly. 
So it doesn't stay in your blood very long. And this is why blood tests are typically useless. You know, they say the doctors are often taught, you know, check the blood if it doesn't show up. This is what happened to my friend Amy, who first told me about this that I mentioned a minute ago, is she had a mercury test five years earlier. If I'm remember, I hope I'm remembering this correctly. She had had a, yeah. a mercury test because she first suspected it. And I talked to a number of people who had the same story. So maybe I'm getting this from people I talked to later. But a number of people had, had tested for mercury when they first suspected it, and they came up negative because they did a blood test. So mercury is cleared from the blood very quickly. So when you take those fillings out, your symptoms can go away fairly quickly. And then the okay. second thing is that mer- uh, amalgam fillings are batteries. This is a thing that mm. a lot, a lot of people know about. And I don't think this is the larger cause of disease. But this is a contributor and part of the reason why people recover so quickly is that when you mix dissimilar metals, as you know, you create a battery. You, you have yeah, that's a, even without the acid to conduct between the two metals because they're in direct contact, right? Uh, true. But with your, in your mouth, you've got, you do have an electrolyte. Yeah, true. So it can make it even worse. So what, uh, Dr. Huggins actually realizes that you can actually take voltage readings from the base of the gum to the top of the filling, and you can actually measure the voltage that is. Which being, means a difference in the charge, basically, right? Between right. Between two spots. It literally means that it's a battery. You yeah. actually have a battery that is inches or less than an inch from this large nerve complex in your jaw that goes right to your brain. Mm-hmm. And according to Dr. Huggins and other researchers, that's part of the reason why people have motor problems related to amalgam fillings. I think the, I think the oh. larger long-term problem really is mercury, but that really, according to many several of these researchers, contributes to the, the problems people have with them. And those fillings are still being used now, I assume, right? In the United States, they're still used. In other countries, they have been outlawed. Many European countries have outlawed them years and years ago. Um, I was online, I saw, uh, I can't remember where he's from, maybe Brazil or somewhere, but uh, Dennis just saying, I can't believe you guys still use amalgam yeah. fillings. You know, yeah. what is wrong with the United States that you keep doing this? And of course, of course, the idea of putting uh, a highly toxic metal in people's mouth is not science. It's not, it's a business model. Yeah, it is. And it's only not, you know, it's a, it's a long discussion, but it's about money at the middle levels at most, and above that, it's other things. It's my, well, what we call what we refer to as Machiavellianism. You know, you create a problem, and then uh-huh. you profit from the solution, and you right. you see that going on today, yeah, in mass, in many industries. But we are wall watching the the huge implementation of Machiavellian business model right now before our eyes. Right. So after your four years of relief from that, you started having those symptoms again, and you were aware of the spraying because you could smell and taste it, right? And so that led to the conclusion that one of the components in the spray residue was probably mercury. Is that right? That's right. I actually, um, from the from the first day, like I said, for a year, there were intermittent uh, trails in the sky, and I was having some symptoms, weird symptoms, like super dry eyes. My eyes would get so dry, I literally uh, had trouble opening them in the morning, and they would hurt the surface of my eyes uh, tremendously. But 
but my ability to smell them and taste them, especially taste them, the taste is the main thing, the metallic taste, and then the symptoms that follow. And the thing I noticed is there were patterns to the spraying. You know, when you would see the, the, the jets appear, they would appear at the same times every day. They sprayed mm. in the same patterns, and then it took – they were spraying very low in our area. Now they spray uh, at high altitudes in our particular area and a lot of other areas. They spray high altitudes, mm-hmm. so it's very, very difficult to see anymore, and I think they're hiding it from the public. But that was the way that really opened my eyes is just the taste. In, in the last two days, incidentally, Richard, today and yesterday have been uh, – two of the worst spray days I've experienced probably in the last year. Laura and I both feel like our bodies are absolutely wrecked. I have been nauseous, terribly nauseous throughout the day. Headaches, low energy. You can probably hear my sinuses are somewhat swollen. In fact, the air is better at this moment than it has been, except for earlier today, it kind of went down to this level. But Mm -hmm. it just kind of crests and troughs throughout the day as the plumes descend on us. Wow. Yes. So that's how I got into it, yes. Yeah, it forces you to take an interest for sure. If you're fortunate enough to understand it and not think it's something else. But once you came to the conclusion that that was a source of continued mercury poisoning, did you look into what else was ingredients in there? Oh, and before you answer that, um, how much mercury would it take as a you know part of the whole mix to do what you're describing because i'm assuming it's not tons of mercury no no mercury is toxic at nano nanomolar levels which are very very small amounts now you may not feel the symptoms at that level but it will start to tear apart your nervous system it'll take Mm -hmm. the tubulin and actin which are the insulative covering around your nerves it'll start to dissolve those as is in in another uh, video from the university of calgary that we might talk about as well Um, is that where they showed the neurons actually shrinking back and kind of falling apart exactly and in that video they actually expose that um they they put nanomolar uh, levels of mercury into a dish with um mouse brain tissue Uh and then they show that the tubulin and actin, those uh, those uh, those proteins and amino acids, those those uh, those things that actually act as the insulator around your nerves, come apart rapidly, leaving the conductor part of the nerve uh, nude. They call them denuded. In fact, they're called denuded neural fibrils. And right. what's left over, they say right in the video. And this is from the University of Calgary in uh, Canada. They say that that is the signature of Alzheimer's. And incidentally, I would love to, I mean, tell people that one of my symptoms was loss of short-term memory. Okay. My memory was so bad in 2000 from the mercury that when I was doing tech support for the computer program, for instance, that we offered on the phone, I would have to type in the name of the person we're talking to and what we're doing in a word processor while I was on the phone to remember what I was doing. Wow. It got really bad. And this was not long-term memory. It affected short-term memory. After okay. the feelings were removed, my, my, my memory got so, it was, my memory actually got better than it ever had been in my life. <laughs> and it was, I was absolutely astonished because I could remember the name of actors and actresses and dates and times and places. Uh-huh. Those seem to be the kind of things that people who are mercury toxic tend to forget is like names, dates, places, very left-brainy. Right. 
So if somebody thinks they're mercury toxic, to check out whether that's a cause, possible cause of what you just described, and they don't have fillings anymore, what do you think they do at that point? If they if they don't have fillings and they've already taken them out, then they're already out, but they're still having the symptoms that you mentioned. Well, that comes right to my front door because that's what happened to me. I I was mercury free for four and a half years after my fillings were out. I lived absolute blissful life with mental capabilities I'd never experienced with memory. When chemtrails began, my mercury symptoms and Laura's mercury symptoms and the mercury symptoms of people around us who didn't even know anything about mercury symptoms, but they would mm-hmm. tell us their health problems because we were in that industry. Right. All these people started having mercury symptoms. And so they came back with chemtrails to the point where I finally wrote an article saying that I believe that chemtrails contain mercury because I know of no other substance that has this exact signature of symptomology that we're experiencing. There's no other substance but mercury. So I wrote an article saying I believe chemtrails must have mercury. And about five years later, roughly, Dr. Marvin Herndon, we have a picture of him on our website with an mm-hmm. article and some of his papers that he's written. He's a researcher, brilliant guy. He's the guy who's not afraid to speak the truth. He wrote an article said that's called, in part, Contamination of the Biosphere with Mercury. Uh, and it's about how chemical aerosol releases actually contain mercury. And he showed this by taking the residue from precipitation and measuring it and showing that the ratio of the metals in that residue was in proportion to the metals that you find in coal fly ash. Mm-hmm. Now, the stuff that's in coal Which fly is ash... Which is burned up coal, for people that don't know, right? Right. And it contains a lot of bad stuff. You know, cadmium, lead, arsenic, mercury, aluminum. Right, right. Yeah. So he actually showed that, and he actually put the word mercury in that paper as the predominant uh, contaminant in the residue that he collected from chemtrail spraying. So if the ash from coal is the kind of, what would you call the matrix that they use to put together whatever mix they're spraying in that particular time, then that would adequately account for breathing the mercury that results in those symptoms, right? That would make a lot of sense. And it made a lot of sense also in light of the fact that people around us were, and today Things that are related to mercury toxicity are now the top 10 among the top 10 diseases we're experiencing. We have an outbreak. Let me just give you one example. There's an outbreak that happened right in concert with the widespread releases, aerosol releases, of childhood asthma. This is the new, in some of the lists I've seen, the official lists from the government say that in, in, uh, in many or most cases in areas, Childhood asthma is the new number one disease for children. Mm, now, wow. whether or not that that whether or not they still have that on a list or not uh, this year, I don't know, but it has been for some you know for some time. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, you can associate you can find an association between uh, breathing mercury vapor or having mercury lung in, uh, contamination in your lungs with asthma because maybe uh, in addition to other reasons, because of inflammation. Mercury is extremely inflammatory, more so in some people than others. It's very much so in me, though, and my business partner. So what are some of the other symptoms that go with mercury poisoning besides short-term memory and possible asthma and things like that? Well, there are many, many symptoms. 
um, you have uh, digestive issues, you have uh, liver and kidney issues, um, you have uh, acne, you have uh, suppressed immune system, allergies, autoimmune diseases. And uh, the mechanism, a lot of people, it's very hard for people to believe this, but I'll just give you an example. One of the known things, uh, symptomologies related to uh, autoimmune disease is that uh, is a thing called methionine mimicry. And what happens here is this is when mercury binds to methionine, which is a, a substance your body produces. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a sulfur-based molecule because mercury loves to bind with sulfur. And then your body sees this natural substance that your body produces that it's never had a problem with before, but it sees it bound to mercury. And then that merc- the body then responds, has an immune response to the, to the organs to the to the methionine and the organs that produce methionine in your body, and voila, you have an autoimmune disease. Wow. So, yeah, mercury's been associated. In fact, I've got a pretty comprehensive list of anything from grinding your teeth, tinnitus, which is ringing the ears, digestive issues, heartburn, because it, it shuts down your enzyme production, hyperactivity, and this is something I know a great deal about because I've done a lot of research, or my business partner has done a lot of research, and I have as well, on uh, the the mechanism in your body that causes hyperactivity, panic attacks, uh, racing thoughts, has to do with what's called the catechol-O-methyltransferase system, which is the COMT system. And your body actually, um, mercury actually steals this methionine from your body, and methionine is used to break down adrenaline, which is epinephrine, norepinephrine, dopamine, and estrogen. So mercury actually increases estrogens. It can contribute mm. to weight gain. A lot of people talk about men growing be- breasts. Well, mm-hmm. when you have hyperinsulinemia, guess what? We have connected it directly with mercury exposure. And because this uh, enzyme, catecholomethyltransferase, that breaks down these catecholamines, which are your, like I said, adrenaline, uh, which is epinephrine, norepinephrine, dopamine, these levels get very high. And you get anxious, you can't sleep, you have insomnia, racing thoughts, nervousness, OCD, uh, fits of anger, anger. All of these things are things that I have to one degree or another um, uh, experience with mercury that went away after it was removed and came back with chemtrails. Right. So you're saying um, that there's not really a lot that people can do if their symptoms are still there and they don't have fillings. Well, I do think you you can do things. And in fact, I do a lot day after day to mitigate my mercury symptoms. Um, okay. Yeah, everything from pulling it out of your body, which is called chelation. Uh-huh. Um, the first line of defense is I wear a wet mask. In fact, before we hooked up here on the phone, I'll show you my wet mask. It's a painter's mask. From Home Depot, okay, which does nothing to stop chemtrails because the particulates are extremely small, right. and I can smell uh, chemtrails right through this mask. In okay. fact, I can smell them when you have a HEPA filter in the room. HEPA filters do not stop the particulates. The key is this. This is a coarsely woven washcloth. Uh-huh. What I do is I wet it. It's moist. And then I put on it a couple things. I put a drop of peppermint oil. And then I also put another, another uh, essential oil on this. 
And what I found is I believe that the oils help capture the particulates along with the water coming through the wet mask. Yeah. And I literally will can reduce my symptoms within 10 to 15 minutes. They'll reduce anywhere from 50 to 80% when I have this thing on. Hmm. Wow. And so I wear this usually at least half or all throughout the day, except when I'm eating, of course, around the house to keep the particulates out. So that's wow. one of one of a number of things that you can do for mercury. And that must mean the particles in the spray are really small, right? Yes. In fact, I did an experiment um, because I was so desperate. In Jamestown, I was so sick. I wasn't able to function. Um, I was in chronic pain. I could not sleep at night. Uh, I couldn't. I was having trouble running my business because I couldn't go to sleep until four to six in the morning. So I couldn't get up until later. And I had employees there while I was still sleeping. And it was just, it ruined my business in the long run. Uh, so, um, uh, so I had to take, uh, where was I going with this? There's a lot you can do. What were you asking? Well, I was saying how people could have any hope of getting rid of the symptoms if, if it was coming out of the air. Oh, because getting it out of the air. I'm sorry. Right. So I got very desperate and started experimenting. And the first thing I did is I spent a lot of money on air purifiers. I bought what are probably some of the best air pur- uh, consumer air purifiers from IQ Air. They make fantastic air purifiers. One of the first one I bought had a HEPA filter and it had big carbon cartridges. Mm-hmm. And I put this air purifier in a small room and I would breathe the air when the air was terribly... Um, contaminated with chemtrails which was most of the time on a regular schedule i knew what times they were coming with about a 15 minute tolerance they were always on always on schedule wow okay and i found that that air purifier did not make any difference now it would remove cat odor it would remove smoke odor it -hmm. would remove other odors it was really really good at that but when it came to the chemtrail taste in the air they would not remove it so the hepa filters did not work. So the particles are have to be smaller than almost anything else in the air. Yeah, generally they have to be smaller than like 0.3 micron. Wow. Um, is what wow. we were thinking. And of course, we've heard from a number of the sources that they believe that they're down significantly smaller than that as well. But they're very, very small, and they go right through. So the only way you can capture this is how I came up with the idea for the wet mask. Is wow. that I found that when I was in the shower. And this works differently for different chemtrail types because there are a lot of different types. But some of the types, the ones they were predominantly spraying at the time, when I was in the shower, the taste would almost completely go away in the air. And I thought, you know, the water, I believe, is washing the air. It's capturing these particles in the air. Well, almost the water vapor, right? Because it couldn't be the macro-sized drops that are doing that. It's got to be something that's pervasive, like steam, basically. Exactly. It was, I believe that's what it was, is the steam in the air, because I like to take a hot shower. Right. The steam in the air was capturing, and then that steam would cling to the walls or get captured by the running water. Yeah. And the air was tremendously better. And I actually talked to people on the phone who said, you know, I noticed that I feel better and my child feels better and so on and so forth when we take a shower. Right. And, and we don't know why. And I'm like, well, I think I know why, mm-hmm. because that stuff is being removed. So, I started experimenting with water-based air purifiers. I actually built a couple of my own and had, you know, some marginal, some degree of success with them, but they have problems because they put a lot of moisture in the air. You know what I mean? And you can't, sure. uh, and unfortunately running 
running something like that that I built myself was very expensive because you have to have a dehumidifier, which uh, takes a lot of electricity, and now you have to have a high-pressure blower to blow it through the stream of water that I was using. So those were not feasible. So finally, I thought of, why don't I try this? Mm. And this has been tremendously successful for me. Wow. Yeah. It's just that you you can't really do that if you're doing hard physical work or hard exercise or something like that, right? Because it reduces your oxygen flow and that sort of it, thing. And that is the problem with a mask. I mean, really solving the problem would be stop spraying, you know. Let's, that would make sense, yeah. You know, let's stop <laughs> this assault on the people. What what did what was the sequence when you started to wonder what the other components in the spray were? What else is in there that Oh, and before you answer that, <clears throat> another intuitive consequence of this particle size seems like it would be that it would diffuse more evenly in the atmosphere than larger particles and it would be easier for a relatively smaller amount of spray mass to contaminate the entire atmosphere if the particles are really small exactly doing small particles makes sense based on what i believe the globalists doing this spraying are trying to achieve is that first of all you have greater surface area when you have small particles you have so much more binding area and so you can take something that's relatively inert and if you break it into small enough pieces it will cause such havoc because it will bind everything that it naturally binds to um, much much more efficiently yeah so it solves that problem the other problem is i believe that they want it to be inside your house yeah, and they don't yeah. want it to be removed. They don't want people to find out that it's in the air. I know so many people who are sick. Almost everybody I know has something. I don't mean, you know, sick where they can't work, but they have okay. these, these chronic problems, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what would happen if people bought an air, a HEPA air purifier, put it in their room, and they're like, I feel completely better. My symptoms are gone. It must be in the air. If people mm-hmm. came to that conclusion, it would immediately point to something they would begin to look right. at the the jet trails and start to say, "Gee, maybe there's a connection." You know, and that would be if they made a mistake of using particles that were too big, basically, right? Right. If they were using particles too big and people could remove them with HEPA filters, then of course, I think the public would learn. So, yeah, knowing what I know about globalists is they plan things decades in advance uh-huh. and they think them through very, very carefully. And they think, "How are we going to conceal this from the public? What are our?" cover story is going to be how are we going to finance this whole thing all of this stuff was thought out far in advance and how are we going to acclimate like i said earlier remember i told you earlier how in jamestown they for for about a year they were just doing this intermittent stuff yeah where you'd see a trail here and then you wouldn't see anything and then you'd see a trail here on the next day and and uh, i didn't really taste or smell anything but i started having symptoms so it gave them about a year to acclimate the public to the idea of trails in the sky while they started saying uh releasing the propaganda saying these are jet trails and the science is known that they've always been there which is an absolute lie no they haven't always been there in fact they're trying yeah. to convince people that by putting in the background of movies and stuff uh, yeah i mean if you see avatar you find out that there are chemtrails in space <laughs> and that they're totally normal you don't even need air you know what else i found you know what else I found, uh, Richard, is um, when I was doing research on this years ago, um, I was looking at a lot of World War II pictures of uh, planes, you know, yeah. flying. 
Right. And it's funny because you will rarely find a jet, you know, a regular, not a high bypass turbofans fans because they weren't in widespread use at that time, but you will find um, jet engines or you'll find prop engines and there's no trails. However, when you look at the, the artist drawings, there are thousands of drawings from, you know, World War II that mm-hmm. have been done by modern artists. Um, and they're very recent. A lot of these artists... And all of the pictures, I think every single picture of the hundreds and hundreds, maybe over a thousand pictures I looked at, all of the artists rendering have trails behind the jets in planes. So in the contract for their work, it's probably specified you must put in trails behind all the aircraft, right, or something like that. Sure, they probably just tell the artists it looks more dramatic or more realistic or whatever they say. But in the original pictures, they're not there. Yeah, and that's World War II stuff. It's also in cartoons, right? Absolutely. In fact, I I, I watched this Disney movie with uh, some uh, with relatives in Jamestown called Over the Hedge. You know, yeah, a funny animated show. And the first two thirds of the movie, there were chemtrails in virtually every sky shot that they had. Wow. And I was just taken back by this. And so I actually took some still copies from the DVD and posted them online. The articles I posted back in, this was 2009, I think, uh-huh. I are still online. And I noticed that over the next couple of years, a, lot, a number of people had taken those stills that I had taken and put them into their artwork, into their videos. Yeah. And then people started capturing more and more stuff from the animated shows with Trails in the Sky. Okay, and so how did you find out what else is in the spray residue besides mercury? Well, the big thing uh, is, uh, you know, Dr. Marvin Herndon uh, had did his research where he showed, um, uh, you know, the things that were in there and that how it associate how it was associated with like coal fly ash. And so, yeah. And so when I look at these, you know, in his research, that was one of the ways is that he, we had lead, we had arsenic, we have cadmium, we have I mean, all kinds, all the things that occur in coal fly ash were in there, which are many. You know, some of them are beneficial, many of them are very highly toxic, including yeah. mercury. The other thing is that I did a rainwater test here in uh, in the Bangor area in, in Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were spraying, back then they were spraying what I believe was aluminum uh, because it tasted like aluminum. It tasted like uh, a taste that I taste in the air when you're grinding an aluminum piece of metal with a grinding wheel. Oh, and okay. you can, right. And there's a certain flavor and I, I have a very sensitive sense of taste and smell. And, and so when I was growing up, I did not realize I was more sensitive that way than other people. Mm. So when I was in a machine shop, um, or if I was working and grinding some metal myself, I realized that copper had a taste. If you had copper dust in the air, it's like yeah. I could taste that dust. Aluminum had a different flavor. Magnesium had a different flavor. So there were, there were different right. flavors. So I thought that they were spraying aluminum uh, back in, uh, in um, about 2009, 2008, 2009, after I moved here to this area in Maine. So I did a rainwater test. And the test showed, uh, let me see if I remember, 300 micrograms per liter, if I remember right, uh, of, of aluminum hmm. in the rainwater. Now, to get that in scale, so people understand, that's 300 micrograms per liter. Okay. The EPA says anything over 50 is too toxic to drink. Huh. 
So it's six times. And this was rainwater. It's supposed to be the purest form of water to drink that you could possibly get, right? It's it's like naturally distilled water. Water distilled yeah. by nature. It should yeah. be really nice and clean. And I took this collection where I live in rural Maine. I live out in the middle of nowhere, practically. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the the water, the rainwater should be pristine. Yeah. Wow. So you were testing for, had it tested for aluminum. Mm-hmm. Did you have it tested for anything else? Yeah, actually, I was going to look up this test here real quick that I have online to see if I could, uh, uh, I can share it with, with you, the list of things that I found, if you're interested in that. Sure. Um, I also collect, and, th- and this is not just me. I mean, there are people across the country. In fact, for a while, I had people sending me their lab tests. And so I have a nice collection. Dane also has on uh, geoengineeringwatch.org. He has a real nice collection of tests. And the tests in Mount Shasta were showing aluminum in the 10,000 and above range. Yeah, I remember. That's yeah, right. where it, kill, it was killing the plants and animals. Yeah, and aluminum normally doesn't float around in the air. <laughs> yeah, unless, they, unless you're, it's just so far out, you know what I mean, that for the that public it, to ignore this. Nobody would believe it was going on. That's sometimes what I find, Richard, to be the uh, the most effective, perhaps the most effective mechanism that propagandists use, is they make up propaganda that sounds so uh, implausible that people think, don't believe it's propaganda. That's they what say, Ger- Goebbels said, right? Or Goebbels, I don't know how you pronounce it. But uh, Hitler's minister of propaganda, he was saying, if you want to lie and have anybody believe it on a big scale, you better make it as big of a lie as you can possibly do. And this is just the same thing, basically. Right. You've got to make the lie big, which we're seeing in modern times. We're seeing a lie so big that people can't believe it's a lie because it's just so ubiquitous. Yeah. And the same thing with um, the same thing with so many other things. But in my, um, I pulled up my test here. And you asked. Um, we had, uh, 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 let's see, arsenic. Now I don't know if these are toxic amounts off the top of my head. I'd have to go back and research this and see what the maximum contaminant levels from the FDA are. But these are not things you should find in rainwater. So, you know, uh, we have arsenic. We have barium. We have cadmium, we have chromium, we have copper, we have lead, we have mercury, we have selenium, silver, and thallium. This is what came back on one of my labs I sent down, one of my tests I sent down to Portland for testing. Rainwater tests. Rainwater tests. Have you looked into um, the kind of things that Clifford Carnicom Institute found, like biological cross-domain bacteria, you know, things that were unnatural life forms in there and other biological contaminants, chemical contaminants and things, non-metals. Yeah, now I don't have the equipment to do that kind of research and I didn't know how to, you know, commission a lab to do that kind of work. So I didn't make it that far, but I have read a lot of uh, Clifford's work and um, spoken to him many times. In fact, interviewed with him, uh, I don't know, number of times anyway. Right. And the cross-domain bacteria is one of the interesting things that he talked about that seems to feed on iron, mm-hmm. uh, you know, related with iron and all of that. I researched that a lot because I was having um, 
my own battles with Morgellons, but not, I didn't have the manifestation of fibers, but I had the itchy skin Hmm. that I associated with one of the chemtrail types. It had a very peculiar taste. And whenever I would taste that in the air, I would get terribly itchy. I mean, just like your bugs crawling on you, which is the classic. Yeah, that's what people report. Yeah, and this began in in, uh, Jamestown. I began having this in Jamestown. I would be sitting at my desk, and I would just be itching, and I'm like, there are gnats here or something. And I would have, I actually was joked upon a little bit initially by uh, a couple friends who were saying, uh, you're dreaming or there, you know, there's no gnats here. I'm like, something is biting me. I am feeling this. I am feeling this. But eventually I realized that whenever that particular flavor was in the air, that's when the itchy bitey sensation would happen. And when that flavor was not in the air, it wouldn't happen. So the conclusion is this is a complex recipe and there's several versions. Um, and maybe the fly ash, the coal fly ash, could be the the basic material of it to give it bulk, but there's all kinds of things that are being engineered into it, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I mean, one thing that I talk about a lot is uh, uh, biologics. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since I was a kid, and again, until I was an adult, I didn't realize that everybody wasn't like me. Because, you know, when you're young, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you grow up thinking everybody's like you or everybody. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, you don't realize that that there are some differences. But um, when somebody had an upper respiratory infection or had a cold, if I got a whiff of their breath, there's a particular odor that I would that I could smell. Uh-huh. And this isn't this is not a taste thing. This is an odor thing. So I grew up with that. And if I was in a car, for instance, and somebody was kind of sick or had the sniffles, that yeah. car would have that odor. And okay. I never brought it up. I just figured it was something everybody knew about. But what happened, and, and this happened a number of times, but here's one of the big events, is in uh, the day before Christmas Eve, 2017, this was in the air, this exact same odor, and it's not the first time this happened, but this was the most intense event up to that date. Mm-hmm. They sprayed for two weeks straight where it produced this exact same odor that somebody has in their breath when they have a cold or flu. Wow. Yes. And that was when we had the big flu outbreak of that time of that uh, of uh, 2000. That was the uh, uh, the end of 2017, early 2018, right in the winter there. Makes you think it's a substance designed to make people sick. Right. I have seen. Well, and I'm not even I don't even need to speculate. I will just tell people as a firsthand witness being able to smell this stuff. There have been a number of occasions, even before that event that went on for two weeks, where they would release this for about three days in a row or more. And I noticed that whenever this stuff was in the air for three days in a row, besides me, I would get a sore throat and I'd have to take uh-huh. some herbal stimulants and uh, right. just, or immune stimulants, and it, which helped tremendously. They would make it go away pretty quickly. But besides me actually experiencing uh, the the onset of flu symptoms at the same time as the spray events from for three or more days in a row, I noticed that in town people got sick at the same time. And in fact, um, there was one event where they did this for uh, locally for, I can't remember the number of days. It may have been a week 
But so many people got sick, they actually shut down the school system. And it was wow. always, whenever we had these big outbreaks locally of people getting the flu, quote unquote, right. it was right after, within about three days after, they started having a really, really intense biologics in the air at least that i started detecting it and so yeah. i saw this correlation happen over and over again and the same thing happened right at the beginning of 2019 with the COVID thing we had massive intense biologics in the air for extended periods of time yeah and an interesting point you know when they have ad- admittedly talked about the fact that the spraying either is going on now or probably will be needed because of the crisis of global warming. I mean, we have to prevent sunlight from reaching the earth at any cost to save the world. Interesting logic in that. Um, That the reason for the spraying, and they've talked about this publicly, even though other times they say it's a conspiracy theory, that what they're spraying is specifically to reflect sunlight. And it's unclear why you would need mercury and biologics to reflect sunlight. Well, not only that, I mean, first of all, they claim they're not doing it now. Yeah, they're not. But if they are, this is what they're doing it for. Right. And incidentally, even now, they're they're saying, we're thinking about it. They've been saying this for years. We're thinking about it. We're thinking about it. We're thinking about it, which is a propaganda tool to convince the public that they're not doing it now. That's... Everybody would assume they're not doing it now if they're only thinking about it. Exactly. Usually you think about something and then you do it. You don't do it and then hopefully do it and then think about it if it's a major project like that. Yes, and propaganda often uses inferences. It'll give you some data or some information and then let you come to a conclusion. So it, it leads you to the conclusion, but never tells you the conclusion. So it says, we're thinking about geoengineering. We're thinking about it. And there's a lot of controversy. Maybe we're going to yeah. do it. So the inference is the public goes, well, you know, I heard all, you know, my friend and a bunch of people talking about chemtrails, but it must not be true if they're thinking about it and they're being wide open about it. So why right. would that be? Because that exactly. is exactly because they would tell you if they're already doing it anyway. What, what was that famous interview where? Uh, the per- was it David Keith? It was somebody, and they were. He was s- explaining that. Well, we want to save everybody, you know, and the world's going to boil over because he didn't use those terms. But that was the message: if we don't start spraying to reflect the sunlight, then we're all going to die. Obviously, so we have to spray something to reflect the sunlight, and it's probably only going to kill. You know, I don't know what he said, maybe 100,000 people, which is nothing compared to the population. And he said they're not doing it now. And the host said, how do you know? And he says, well, the government hasn't said so. And the host said, oh, the U.S. government would tell you every time they do something. (laughs) It was a Stephen Colbert. Yeah. 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 Stephen Colbert. Colbert. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was uh, yeah, that was uh, that was that that became that got a lot of traction. Is one of the classics, I think. Yeah, and and that's you know that's part of the you know that's part of the issue is that when people people have to understand that when you know the globalist agenda, if you watch television, and I have a case, you know I watch a little bit here and there, and my what I do when I watch it is I actually have a word processor open, uh-huh. and I I actually make a list of all the propaganda in the show. You must be really busy trying to keep up. 
yeah. Well, I don't try to keep up because I can't keep up. You know, I mean, no. I'm the guy. And my, you're only writing down the <laughs> non-subliminal propaganda. That's right. These are non-subliminals. Although I have caught a few subliminals in there that um, it's interesting that in um, in um, in and this is one of them that just comes to mind is that uh, I watched House back years ago before House was canceled. But House was a very popular show about a a diagnostician and his team that would solve difficult medical problems. Okay. For those who don't know. Um, and I, I just remember during the Obama campaign, uh, two pieces of, uh, one of them was maybe not subliminal, but the subliminal one I saw was there was a woman in a bathroom. They showed a shot of her in a stall, you know, the upper part of her body and behind of her, behind her, there was a, a, and I captured this. It actually had a, like a bumper sticker that said, vote for change. Huh. And then, and then the Which next is an think, Obama advertisement, right? right? Does that sound familiar to anybody? And then I think yeah. it was the next episode. It's so funny when you see propaganda in uh, in these shows, and this is very light propaganda. I mean, the stuff that I have right. captured is is amazing in your face, but very very skillfully integrated into the show, um, but out of place enough where a lot of times it doesn't belong. It's like, why is that even there? But right. in the very next episode, I think it was Doctor House actually said emphatically one of the phrases he said is he said he just said that he said to the as, oh, he didn't speak to the camera but it felt like he was because it was so emphatic and so out of place yeah having a conversation with his team and he just said vote for change very emphatic well don't you want to vote for hope also <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> i guess if you vote for change it's going to go with hope so it would accomplish the same thing and you can find this propaganda that I've written. I don't watch much television, but I mean, uh, my business partner and I will wind down and watch a show at night. Now we're just watching yeah. home decorating shows because I just can't stand watching. Media. It's the only thing left that's not. It's a little inspiration double to think about, you know, upgrading your home, you know, a little bit. Yeah. I, I live a humble life, so, you know, it's nice. But yeah, I mean, every, everything from chemtrails to medical stuff to colloidal silver, I've seen. Uh-huh. Uh, the resident, uh, is a popular medical show. Now they had several, well, probably two incidences where they bash colloidal silver, which is a, you know, they're like, Oh, it's going to turn you blue. And it's like, that's, uh, you know, and then they had the blue guy, uh, on that every year in the winter time, mainstreaming now the blue guy has now died, but for years I would see this, that he's completely blue he looks like he's painted himself with spray paint and uh-huh. they would show him on the nightly news and say this is what's going to happen to you if you drink colloidal silver which is a complete lie if you drink is that the guy that was in las vegas doing shows oh the blue man group yeah yeah <laughs> or is that different no completely different the blue man okay. group. no i've seen the blue man group a few times in uh, universal in florida where i grew up but it was blue like that no, he was blue. Yeah, I mean, he was blue okay. like the Blue Man Group. And okay. what people people just don't think, but they scare people away from colloidal silver, which is amazing. Colloidal yeah, silver is absolutely amazing and revolutionary. And they have effectively kept the public or a sector, a large sector of the public, afraid of it by saying right. you're turn blue if you drink it and by using these propaganda. But the thing is, people don't realize it's like, think about it for a second. This man began to turn blue. He was drinking enormous amounts of silver i mean uh something like you would also need large particle size in addition to the volume right that's the big kicker that they never tell you small particles small particle silver when it's properly made colloidal silver uh is eliminated 
usually 98% in about 24 hours. And we have studies that show this, you know, um, but this is large particle homemade silver. He was drinking about uh, 10,000% as much as you should take or some, something, some enormously. He was doing right. it every single day, did it for years. And when he started to turn blue, drinking this large particle homemade silver, uh-huh. he, not that you can't make your own small particle silver, but he was drinking this, this colloidal silver that we presume is large particle because small particle doesn't accumulate under your skin right he began to turn blue but he continued drinking it knowing it's turning him blue so my question is did the pharmaceutical industry give him a handsome reward for yeah, volunteering sponsored him right he did it on purpose it was not an accident wow when it began if wow. he didn't want to be blue he would have stopped but he didn't stop he kept doing it well anything that would really help you with no marketable side effects would be you know a real threat to the business i guess look at this right here on my desk and forgive me i didn't know we would have video so my no, fine. background is but right in reach of my desk colloidal silver yeah if i and i will tell people if i have a stomach problem i occasionally um may eat some food that's a little bad or something uh sure. maybe it's a little old or get a little uh i've gotten in in with all the traveling that i've had to do for our business you're eating out a lot. There's a number of times I got uh, uh, food poisoning, and you can feel it coming. You can feel that feeling in your stomach, and, and yeah. you know it's gonna. When I would drink, I would go ahead and just take this, and I would, I would gulp back a few gulps of it, and then uh-huh. maybe 10, 15 minutes later, I'd gulp back a few more gulps right out of the bottle here. This is my personal bottle. Yeah, and let me tell you, within minutes, that pain just dissipates. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And that's nano silver, I assume. Yeah, this is very small particle silver. It's actually, uh, the production process is actually uh, patented. Um, it's sold by, na- it's licensed to Nature Sunshine by the inventor. Okay. Um, um, but ne- nevertheless, it's colloidal silver. And it What's works the part per million concentration? Uh, this one is 20. Okay. 20 parts per million. Yeah, those are super low. It's, it's almost homeopathic type stuff that you're talking about. And the, and the thing is, there's two things. It is such a low, you're talking 20 parts per million, yet the effect, you can feel the effect within minutes. That's what's so interesting is almost nothing there, and it's really strong, totally beneficial. Like all real medicine, it has zero side effects except good ones. And the other thing that's awesome about it, too, is that the, that the bacteria can never become immune to colloidal silver because of the way that it kills uh, you know, bacteria, and it destroys the binding capability of viruses, according to research. I'm not making this up. This is yeah. what research says. So I don't, you know, right. if the FDA wants to tell me I'm fake, this is from researchers. So if you want to tell the researchers they're wrong, that's fine. But that's from the research that we've done. Right. Yeah, it's amazing but, stuff, I know. And it, you basically, as far as my experience goes, you can't overdose on it. I mean, even if you wanted to for some reason and all the water you drank was 20 parts per million silver, I've never heard of any kind of damage from that at all. Yeah, this is a 32-ounce bottle. Yeah. The last 10 years, I have probably downed about 20 of these. Right, right. I'm not blue. I can't see any blue in you. There's a little blue in your glasses reflecting from the computer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, and this has saved me. I can't tell you how many hours I was able to work, whereas if I didn't have this or something to kill whatever bacteria was 
proliferating from bad food that I ate because unfortunately... And you're talking about times when you had intestinal pain and stuff, even if it was pretty noticeable pain, it still helped, right? Oh, it, 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 made it, it didn't just help, it made it go away. Wow. That's my experience with it. It made it go away. And, th- and this is a particular type of pain because there's different types of pain. This is pain. I've had food poisoning a lot of times because of the time we spent on the road. Right. We went to conventions. We had went to California. We went to New York. We, we went uh, to Washington State. Uh, we traveled a lot, so we were eating out a lot. And incidentally, you get food poisoning a lot more often than you want to. I know. And for people that don't understand it, you mentioned the word travel. And there are some people that are forgetting what that is. In the old days, you used to be able to go places and you could drive even, and I know this sounds unbelievable, but you could drive across state lines, go to other parts of the country and stuff, and you didn't even get quarantined or arrested or anything. Good times, right? Yeah. Good times when we had freedom. It's really true. It used to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. But when we would do that, so true, (laughs) you know. The number of times I got food poisoning, you know, and then and, and you can feel a particular type of pain. It's not just, you know, it's not one. There's different types of pain if you have gas pain or if you have other sure. types of pain. But food poisoning has a very peculiar type of pain with me that I've identified. And it comes on quite quickly when it starts to grow. It's in colloidal silver has every time. Got How would you describe that kind of pain? It's almost like... um if you, I guess it, it, I, it's hard to describe because it's very unique, but it's maybe somewhat like if you had a real, if you had a bruise and somebody was just gripping and, and pinching. So it's bruise. localized in, for you anyway. It's yeah. In a very small area, like it could be in, in the middle of your gut or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I typically yeah, that's what I would experience when I when I got it. And the and sometimes I would experiment and say, Well, I'm not gonna take a little silver and it would just get wor- you know, that exact same pain on a different occasion a year later, I'm like, Okay, I'm not gonna take it and just see what happens and it would get worse and worse and say, Well, maybe it'll get better on its own just to prove to myself colloidal silver does what they say it does. How long would it keep getting worse and staying there? If you it would get worse it. it would get worse to the point where I would have to go in the bathroom because I felt like I would throw up. Are you talking about over days? Oh, no, hours. Usually hours. um, Usually hours. It would get worse over a period of hours. Um, Yeah. So maybe half a day, three quarters of a day, it would get worse. And then you just drink something out of the bottle and maybe, what are you talking about, four ounces or something? Um, Yeah, I I would take a good gulp, probably at least four ounces. I would take a gulp of this. Okay. In the beginning, in the very beginning, I was very shy with it, and I would just take a tablespoon. And Yeah, I know. And I learned, you know what, just gulp it, and I did. And then I would maybe 15, 20 minutes later or half an hour later, I'd take another gulp. But even the first gulp, I would noticeably see a decline in the pain. Wow. After the second gulp, even quicker, usually an hour or two later, there's no pain whatsoever. Yeah, no wonder they want it banned and for nobody to know about it. Right. I mean, NASA uses it. They use it for burn victims. NASA uses yeah. it for sterilization purposes. They know the effect. They know that it's very, very, very safe for people. I've heard that hospitals also have products that have that in it to use mm-hmm. for surface sterilization and stuff like that. Yeah. Silver is used for um, for medical sterilization in, in certain right. specific fields. It should be used everywhere. But So one of the things that's pretty clear is that there's a lot of effort going on to keep the spraying going as a project. 
and it's not just for the weather it's it's got all kinds of poisonous components so um it's been exposed all over the world there are a lot of geoengineering anti-geoengineering groups right in fact you had one of the biggest ones on facebook yeah yeah february 4th just a couple weeks ago um, got a notice from Facebook that our group, which had 102,600, 192,600 members uh-huh. that I had built from the ground up, I founded the group myself and built up over years using thousands of hours of time vetting members, managing the group, coordinating, and all the things that are involved in running a group. They notified me that the group had been disabled because of posting uh, creating posts that members were creating posts that went against Facebook's policies. Even though uh, those posts, first of all, many of them were true, even though fact checkers said they weren't. Yeah, Some of right. them were true, but the fact checkers said they weren't. What fact checkers also would do is they would uh, say something is false because maybe some little tiny aspect of what was said wasn't wasn't said in such a way that made it clear enough mm-hmm. so they okay. would just mark it as false mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the ironic thing about this whole thing is that when a post was made that went against facebook policies i would get a notification as a moderator or an administrator of the group i would get a notification that this post was removed because it violates policies they wouldn't tell us what policies they wouldn't tell us what was wrong with the post, but we were supposed to mind read Facebook's algorithm and remove the post before they did, because by the time they get to it and remove it, it goes against, you know, they use it as uh, points against our group to justify removing our group. So how are we supposed to know what is against policies or what your fact checkers are going to say is not true when right. you don't have posted anywhere what you believe is true. So the whole concept of and benefit of free speech is just being intentionally obliterated, right? Like free speech can't be good because it could be hateful or it might be wrong or it might make somebody feel bad or be upset. And what they're saying is the founders of America and people in other parts of the world that realized this set was an essential basic freedom, they were all incorrect. And now we're being set straight that we have to have an authority that everybody knows has perfect judgment and wisdom to tell us what all the things that we have to never say again. It, isn't it That's funny to stay safe? Exactly. Isn't it funny that the concept of the new world order, the concept of globalism is all the people coming together. This is the concept that we're all going to come together for the common good of mankind. Right. right. Problem is the way that such a thing like this is implemented is that the only truth that's allowed is the truth that the authority says is truth. So what you do is not only are you stopping innovation, you can't have innovation You can't have, like, an innovation like silver. You can't talk about this. You can't can't talk about the science behind this. Right. um, Because they don't want, not because it's not there. It's because it's just against their policy. And so, therefore, 
the people that would be saved from so much suffering and trouble will not be saved from it. They will have the suffering and trouble, and somebody else is going to profit instead of the company that makes this. Yeah, yeah. Or the person that makes this at home. Yeah. And speaking of something I forgot to ask you about when you were saying you're, when you were experiencing intestinal discomfort from and pain from food poisoning, uh, and you're aware of all these different herbs and what they do, especially in their fresh form, if you can ever get it. But what about aloe vera? Is that something that can be helpful? Absolutely. Aloe vera. Someone asked me that today. Well, I'll tell you a great story about aloe vera. I mean, not only is it great for your skin, not only is it low, uh, great nutritional supplement, uh, it's great for treating burn victims and skin issues. Um, uh, when I had my fillings out, uh, there's a clinic. Dr. DiStefano had a clinic in St. Petersburg, and that's where I went to get uh, to detox. And the only thing in, I did, I, I didn't know much about mercury when I had my fillings removed because I had just realized that that was my problem. So I, hadn't, I didn't have the amount of research behind me that I did at that time. Okay. So I chose to do, a, uh, to do a, um, a, a challenge test. And I chose to do a real strong chelation with DMPS, which mm-hmm. a lot of people would advise against. Some people say it's good. Some people say it's bad. But it is pretty invasive because it really stirs up a lot of mercury in your body. But What's that, it made out of? Uh, it's a dimethyl, I, I don't remember the chemical name, but it's a bi, dimethyl uh, mercapto uh, sulfur-based molecule. That okay. once again, like I said earlier, is that, as you know, sulfur binds to mercury very aggressively. So you put this stuff in your body, mm-hmm. it goes in your body and then binds to the mercury, mm-hmm. and then, then that complex is carried out of your body. So it's yeah. a detox mechanism. And when we were doing that detox, talking about aloe vera, we would go in a room, we would get an IV drip for about two hours. And so we'd sit in our recliners in this big room with a bunch of people. Well, the other people that were in this room were all participating in a study from the University of Texas at Austin. This was an anti-cancer study using IV aloe vera. Oh, and, yes, IV aloe vera. This was, this was University of Texas at Austin, if I remember correctly. These people we talked to were having remarkable recoveries from cancer. Hmm. So do you know what the government did? Well, it would be just like Indiana Jones with the Lost Ark. They'd put it in the archives or somewhere where nobody would find it, I would assume. <laughs> there you go. Well put, yes. So what did the government do to Dr. DiStefano's office? Just okay. a couple months after I did my detox down there. My guess is they would SWAT team it, but you can tell me. Nope, you're right on target. <laughs> a couple months after I was done with my detox, you know, and we had spent our time with Dr. Joe, and he was, he's a good guy. He cared about the people. He's one of those. He's a good yeah. one. He's a yeah. good one. And he helped me tremendously. I mean, I think the detox helped me tremendously. A couple months later, after we had sat in a chair and talked to these people who were reversing their cancer, I'm, yeah. I'm not making this up. This is what people told me. So yeah. Yeah. maybe the FDA won't like it because it's hearsay, but this is what these people told me and Laura. We can both attest to this as we sat there in those chairs using IV aloe vera. What happened? You already said it. A couple months after I was done with my detox, we read that the FDA raided that clinic at mm-hmm. gunpoint and confiscated all of the records of all the people who were participating and all the success stories and all the records of the study, and it shut it down. 
Well, I mean, to be to be fair and balanced, I think the word confiscating is probably a, a bit misleading. It's actually stealing, right? Right. Yes, I'm being very <laughs> kind here, trying to be very kind. They, I would assume they would steal all the computers, and sometimes to be extremely safe and to protect the public, they steal all the cash in the bank as well. They often do that, and in this case, they did it at gunpoint. Yeah. They drew guns, and, at, and this was in the newspapers. I have a clip uh, somewhere. I saved a, a clip from the newspaper because I was stunned about this. Right. But I wasn't surprised. I was stunned because I was kind of close to it. I knew these people and I was there and they shut down this study from people who are who are reversing their cancer with IV. Well, it's saving the public from misinformation. So I can understand. God forbid. Right. And that happened to our company as well, as we talked about previous uh, previously in another. Yeah, why don't you? That's a good segue into that. Why don't you mention what happened there? Okay, in, in 1997, we published our book, which uh, which w- had been uh, written for three and a half years. It took us three and a half years, Laura, three and a half years to research it and write it. And what it was, was a, a comprehensive research product guide for Nature Sunshine products. And it was all these types of products like colloidal silver, right. full herbal and nutritional vitamins, mineral product line. And what we did is we published this 500 and some page three ring bound book that was updatable every quarter and you could pay for an update subscription so that new products that came out would have new fresh research and we would update research on existing products huh, huh. all referenced um, many of the references with JAMA, Lancet, uh, Pediatrics Journal, official uh, sources of uh, information that are approved by the FDA. Right. So we published this book and this was in 1997. Well, we eventually published that information as a computer program and eventually published the information as websites so that we provided websites for all of these people. We had something on the order of about 200,000 web pages when you add all the pages up for our clients online about a year ago. And 200,000 pages? 200,000 pages of referenced scientific research about the components that were in these herbal supplements. Was it indexed so people could find specific things in it easily? Um, not. It really wasn't indexed according to ingredients. It was basically just listed according to product, and you could look at a product, and then you could see the references and the research. So you could find in that 200,000 pages where the product was that you're looking for. Well, the 200,000 pages incorporates all of our clients. So each client website would have about 500 pages. Okay. And then we had, uh, we had uh, uh, a, a lot of clients, and that number would fluctuate, but I'm so just saying at the time of... Uh, Made it easy to look up any particular product you're wondering about and see what right. the related science was. Right. You could look up a product that may have, you know, might have vitamin C, might have uh, rose hips. It might have, um, who knows, quercetin and a couple other things in there. Sure. And so that product page would actually have uh, some paragraphs of referenced research on those components that were in that product. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, people built their businesses using that research. We had many, many people saying, I had somebody at a convention come to me at a convention and say, I just want to tell you something. This is all I'm going to say to you. He said, I want to tell you that I know one, I think probably two, two people who are alive today, definitely one, but two people that I think are alive today because of your research. And, it would yeah. be great to have that not only for all supplements because you shouldn't really take a supplement unless you understand what it is and what it does 
as much as possible. But also for any kind of food that's not like a cabbage or something that has processing and that's got a paragraph of ingredients, there should be a book like you're talking about for all those foods too. And the, yeah, and the beauty of it is is that our research was written in a way that it was sophisticated enough where many people brought it to their doctors. And I, through the years, I heard countless stories where people would say, I went to my doctor and said, well, I'd like to try this supplement. He's like, no, no, those are all junk. And then they would pull out our research page <laughs> and give it to him. And he would sit there and read the whole page and he'd go, Okay, well, if you want to, if you want to try it, go ahead. You know, they would completely turn their mind around. Right. They do it in a way that says, well, I'm going to give you special permission to maybe do a little bit of it. They don't say, <laughs> wow, I was a total idiot. You know, this is really good. <laughs> yeah. If you want to try this in addition, in addition to our, our uh, therapy, then yeah, to go ahead. The essential ahead. drugs, right? Sure, sure. But they, um, it would, it, and I heard this story. This is one of the most common stories I heard is people giving these to their doctor and the doctors were like, yeah. In fact, I, I, maybe I'll tell you the story later where uh, the nurse who was taking care of my, my the hospice nurse who was taking care of my father completely yeah. sat us down and, and turned around and just said she had never seen anything like what we had brought. To, but that's a, that's another story we can get to, I guess. Um, but what happened with our company is that about a year ago, um, we got a notification from the, uh, the, the manufacturer of the herbs that we wrote for. Uh, basically an email that was followed up by a certified letter saying cease and desist essentially was the, was the, the letter. And we were told that, uh, if you cannot remove all of the scientific information in any mention of a disease, you cannot use on any of these pages. Here's what the restrictions were. You need to, to sterilize this information. I think they even use that, that term. You cannot mention a single disease name on any of those pages. You cannot link from a scientific study or web page that has a scientific study, you cannot link into a product page. Yeah. You cannot link from a product page to a scientific study. So you can't link in, you can't link out. And those pages can only have the same information that they have on their website. That's FDA approved, which is basically <laughs> garbage, meaningless garbage. That says, yeah, but very, hey, pr- very effective in getting people to believe in drugs, though, I would imagine. Very, well, it's very effective from not education, ed- educating people about herbs and making people think that herbs are what the nightly news will say. Well, there's really not much. Or, or the resident. If you watch the resident, I can't tell you how many times I've heard them say, well, you know, this, this herbal supplement's not regulated, so there could be anything in it. You don't know. And there's no evidence that herbs have ever helped anybody. We know Exactly. That there's yeah. no research that these herbs, which is a complete and utter in-your-face lie, and people should be held uh, uh, legally responsible. For yeah, I don't think laws. people are emotionally strong enough to realize the implications of this stuff. Because it's in every aspect of life now. Yeah, and and what it, what ended up happening with our company then is we um, they told us the cease and desist. They said, in fact, if you cannot sterilize these pages in twenty four hours, you must take them down and only put them back up when they've been replaced with the official information that we have on our website, which is the meaningless. Hey, this is good for your, your immune system. That's all. And this was not because. The company hated the information. This was because the company most likely had been given an ultimatum from a enforcement agency. The FDA and the FTC told them to do this. And so they had to comply. So we didn't take the websites down immediately like they had asked. So uh, they said, take these uh, web pages down immediately. 
and only put them back up when they're sterilized. And we said, nope, we're not going to do that. We have contracts with our customers and our clients. We will sterilize the information according to your demand, but we, it's going to take us two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so basically now the public does not have access to that referenced research information on 500 or so nutritional and herbal products that actually made reference to doctors' writings, to research papers, to Lancet, mm-hmm. yeah. to the British Journal, to the JAMA, which is the Journal of the American Medical Association, to the Pediatrics Journal, and all the other journals that was referenced. They don't have access to that because guess what? Censorship rules in you public, you're not allowed to have access to that information so you can make your own uh, informed decision about how you want to deal with your health issues. Right. And what was in that censored information that was not in the original book that you mentioned is everything tied to the specific products of all these different herbs. It was actually the same information. The, uh, The information that was in the book the uh-huh. book was in sync with a computer program, which was also in sync with the websites and all. So, can people still get the book? Um, the book is um, available. We we made the book available um, as a perfect bound copy, frozen copy, so that it's not updatable. There's no new information. Um, it's kind of just frozen in time a year ago. Um, and we stopped all research. We don't have a viable business anymore. So the book is available, but we don't know. Uh, it probably won't be available for long. It's we're, we're just we're just selling uh, selling it as uh, as long as possible until until we implement our new business. So business. if somebody wanted to get that, how would they get it? Uh, they could go to herbalure.com. dot H-E-R-B-A-L-L-U-R-E.com. Yep, you can go to herbalure.com, and right on the homepage, you'll see links to the book and the computer program. Okay. And uh, they could get that if they want it from there. But just please be advised, anybody watching this video, is that uh, they likely won't be available for long. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. So, um, But the web pages are all gone, so we're actually moving our business that we founded in 1997. We have to abandon all this research, and we're going and starting a whole new business because... Uh, because of the FDA and the FTC, which ultimately the fault lies with the people, unfortunately, because it's the people's responsibility to keep um, to keep government um, uh, uncorrupt and uncontrolled. Right, and and see the the problem with that. Otherwise, it would be done right away to fix it. Is that for the most part, in my experience, people say, "Yeah, well, that sounds right," but I have no idea how I could do that. Right. I, I agree. I think that is the big problem today is because the powers that be control everything. They they control the prosecutors. They control the judges. Right. They control media, mainstream media anyway. They're trying to control all of the secondary news sources desperately, which is why yeah. I've actually been banned on Twitter yesterday for two weeks. And I'm right. appealing, but we'll see what happens because I posted something that was not false. It wasn't even related to their violation. They're claiming it was removed for. I mean, it's just right. Yeah, you can ridiculous. never tell what it's really for. It was, yeah, it was, and it actually was sourced in mainstream media. I actually made a post <laughs> that the information came from mainstream media, and they banned me for false. Yeah, it can so still be that. It can still be false if it's quoted by you. It's it's hard for people to understand that it's a really deep concept, you know. And it's usually false if it benefits the if it doesn't benefit the pharmaceutical industry. Oh yeah, that's that's always false. false. That's a rule of thumb you can assume. 
Absolutely. Unless it's made out of toxic chemicals, and it could be true. And Those are fantastic. Yeah. Toxic chemicals, we need more of them. Uh, yeah. if, I, if I posted all day long about, the, about uh, uh, you know, chemotherapy agents and in the, in the, making your hair fall out and your nose bleed, oh, man, all day long, they would, they would probably write an article and publish it on, uh, on their nightly news showing what a yeah, great job I'm doing. because that's, that's the way to pursue the vision of total health for everybody. Yeah, people want to know how it works. Uh, Brzezinski, the Brzezinski video. I hope people will go seek it out. We've got it on our website, orbisvitae.com. Um, trying to remember what, what it's called. Say that you better say that site slowly so people who don't know can get to it. Right. This is a, this is a website where we try to get truth out um, while we still can because mm-hmm. the end is coming soon, I believe. But Orbis Vitae, O-R-B-I-S, B like boy, Orbis, which is like orbit. It's Latin for orbit. Okay. Uh, orbis or circle, excuse me. It's Latin for uh, circle, orbit. Orbis Vitae, which is life. So Orbis Vitae is circle of life, V-I-T-A-E, O-R-B-I-S-V-I-T-A-E.com. Dot com. Orbis kind of sounds like sphere, actually, rather than circle. Is it circle? Like orbit. Orbis is orbit. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, so So people need to go there while they can. Brzezinski video, um, what, what, what is it, healing, when healing becomes a crime or something like that, they try, the FDA has tried to put Brzezinski, who invented a, an excellent, very, very successful, much more successful than, than his uh, colleagues using other methods. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Um, enzymatic therapy for treating cancer. Right. And he had tremendous success, and he has been taken to the court, dragged through the mud, dragged through the mud by media, by regulators, for years and he's won every single case and they made a video about him which actually begins with a movie star right uh i can't remember his name uh i wish i could remember his name it's i got the feeling that the reason he's still operating and has not had everything stolen by a swat team is might be that he's also offering chemotherapy and stuff like that at his center do you know whether that's the case i don't know if that's the case or not but I do know they have tried to shut him. If you watch the video, it's amazing what this man has been through. I think that's, a, yeah, that's a good source. And, and I, Hoxie. You remember Hoxie from Texas? I, of course. That was in Mexico, though, right? Well, he that's had... A, they went to make a, a clinic that would keep operating. He couldn't operate in the United States because the, he, was, he was curing people of cancer, not my words. He was, he was making people have cancer no more uh, and treating thousands of people. And the people petitioned and fought the FDA, and the FDA just fought tooth and nail and tooth and nail. So eventually he had to move his clinic to Mexico. And the only reason he stayed so long, Hoxie stayed so long, is because he was a rich oil man. Right, right. So he had the money to endure the fight. Yeah. They eventually moved the clinic to Mexico, and eventually I think it all went away just because the FDA made it go away. And this is a direct threat so the well-being of the people of the United States. This should well, not they can shut down things in other countries just for the well-being and safety of Americans, I think, right? They just go wherever they go. Exactly. Absolutely. So, so. Um, two things to wrap up. One is, you know, knowing about all this horrible stuff is, is potentially useful information if it leads to some kind of solutions that are positive, Right. And so I want to look at what categories those might be in, if any, that people can actually do in action 
that would have a positive effect. That's one thing. The other is as a teaser for a possible sequel that we could do, what you're going to do since the other company is shut down. Okay. Well, I'll start with um, what you can do. It is not easy today because the powers that be have locked the system down. Like I said a few minutes ago, they own the prosecutors. They own the media. They own uh, the, the they control the governments of the countries, and they do this through IMF money. We had we've seen this exposed recently is that the IMF will give your country your little country a billion dollars if you impose lockdowns. And one guy uh, from uh, I don't want to get it wrong, but uh, I believe an African country. One guy exposed it. He, uh, mm. he said, "No, I'm not going to do it," and it became a viral video. And of course, that video has been banned from all mainstream social media of course you you can go to other media platforms there's all kinds of um uh platforms like for instance telegram there's uh platforms um like miwi there's platforms like clout hub uh, diaspora discord um gab uh apparently instagram is giving people trouble but we'll see how that works out minds library odyssey orbeez um Oh, goodness, lots of places. Uh, Tumblr, um, VK, uh, Wimkin. Anyway, there's a lot of other alternative. In fact, if you go, people go to globalskywatch.com, they can click at the top, and it has a list of the platforms we're on. We're on about 15, 20 different platforms right now. Oh, good, good. Yeah, and in fact, today, you mentioned, I wanted to say this earlier, too, you mentioned Today was the first day. It's funny we're doing this interview. This is the first day when I posted my daily news post to, to Facebook. Mm-hmm. I actually posted a notification saying, uh, there is news that you cannot see here because I'm not allowed to post it. Therefore, go to this link to see where you can see it. You should warn people against going to that link because they'd see things that they're not allowed to see. Yes, if I was to be <laughs> congratulated by media, and if I was to be one of those people that were going to be promoted by media, yeah, uh, the only hope I would ever have of having that kind of luck would be if I warn people to stay away from that. Yeah, for your protection, these are the specific links to never look at. Don't ever look at those links because you just might learn something that the powers that be don't profit from. Right. And I'm sure that would work and everybody would be too scared to look them up. Oh, yes. That would right. be the, the ticket. <laughs> so so, so yeah. one thing people can do that you're saying is use alternative platforms for communication. I would love to see people migrate in mass to alternative platforms, and I would love to see Facebook lose uh, hundreds of billions of dollars or whatever they're worth. Because what is being done in this censorship is harmful to the public. To remove this information from public view should be, and I know it's their platform, it's privately owned, and so, you know, arguably they have the right to do that, and and that's that's the the question is when they become a monopoly or an effective monopoly as the only, you know, huge organization that's monopolizing like 90% of the business or something like that. Well, that's right. And that's one thing I actually wrote an article about this recently called owning the pipe. And this is what globalists do is that while they entertain the public to death with all of these shows loaded with propaganda, they are buying up dark fiber. They're buying up the communication uh, um, systems. They are buying up or they have already bought up 
uh, the news medias, the production houses. You won't get your movie or your television series published unless you agree to put these little nuggets of propaganda in your piece. And I yeah. call that owning the pipe. So they own the pipe. So it's hard to uh, to fight the system in that way. But it's actually not that hard when people work together because there is so much power in the people. In fact, the powers that be derive their power from the people. You're right. Financially, right. they derive their... I mean, I know they print the money, but if the people are not behind them, supporting them in one way, or enough people, they yeah. have no power. Yeah, I totally agree. And in fact, I think that's a very high strategic priority of the rulers now, is to make people absolutely sure that they have no power and no abilities. And they need teams of experts to run their lives and you know, a germ is going to kill them at any moment. And the basic beliefs you have to have. People need to start. I think one of the most effective things people can do is start thinking again and using common sense. That would be incredible. That would revolutionize the world. That's a word I was just, it's funny. Sometimes we're in <laughs> tune here. I was going to use that word revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, if people started making common sense of higher value than yeah. established literature, it will change the world for the better. You can get rid of, I think, personally, in my unprofessional opinion, that you will eradicate the vast majority of disease. Yeah. You will change the financial situation of the vast majority of people. Right. Life will be revolutionary, revolutionarily different if people would place their own logical thinking and common sense above established literature. I totally agree. Instead of blind trust of authority and the thing about common sense is it applies to everything. I mean, some really simple principles, common sense, be a nice person. Don't be secretly thinking how to hurt people and, you know, deceive them and stuff like that. Just, it's a very advanced quality. You can see it in animals a lot more than in people, but in some ways they're a lot farther along than we are. And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of funny that people, here, here's an example of common sense I would love people to use, is that we know scientifically that when you inject particulates into the atmosphere, um, the atm in, to block the sun, let's say we're putting shiny aluminum particulates in the atmosphere like Bill Gates wants to do, and we're going to reflect yeah. the sun because we're going to protect the, the, pub, the, the, the world from the sun. Yeah. What really happens, and we know this scientifically, is that when you increase the density of the atmosphere with particulates, you actually increase the thermal capacity of the atmosphere. That right, means you right. actually heat it up. Yeah, and because that, because the colors of the particles, I guess, determine the wavelengths of light and energy that it can absorb, right, compared to clear air. Well, I think, yes, I think that you're, you're, you're increasing capacity, too, because you're increasing the density of the atmosphere as well. Yeah, yeah. If you increase the thermal capacity of the atmosphere, you actually warm the atmosphere. So here's an example of so many examples, like, like fillings. We're going to fill your teeth, and then you're going to get one of these 200-plus diseases later in life. But, hey, at least you don't have a cavity. And so, don't worry, we have medicine for that, so you're covered. <laughs> yes, and in the same way, and in the same way, you can say... Uh, use your common sense in this way is that when people say, well, we know that the thermal capacity of the atmosphere will actually warm the earth when we inject particulates into it, but yet they're telling us they're going to do that to cool the earth. Does that make common sense? Yes, because the New York Times said that you shouldn't use critical thinking if you don't want to get misled. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yes, yeah, you should use the SWIFT method. 
right? You shouldn't look at alternative information for more than reading what a few sentences and then go ahead and search Google and use the established censored list that Google, because I've seen Google censor now. Yeah. You know, uh, six months ago when I searched for and did a surgery and I got about five pages and virtually all of them was established uh, um, establishment information that doesn't get down into the deep nitty gritty. So, yeah, use the SWIFT method, which which the New York Times was talking about, that don't spend too much time looking at alternative information. Just read a couple sentences and then go do a search in Google and look at the established information. Well, realize after a couple sentences, you're going to need intellectual detoxification. And that's... <laughs> And you could get that if you just subscribe to the newspaper. <laughs> right. And what did Jefferson say about newspapers, right? Yeah, that he said if, was I don't know, somebody said if you lived your childhood in a closet and never came out and just got your food under the door or something, that you would be better educated than if you read the newspaper every day. Yeah, the powers that be, and uh, you know, industrialists and globalists have known for a long time, a long time, that the control of information is the fundamental key. And this is why we see, I think, the mass censorship going on right now, because people are beginning or have been for some time talking to each other and are realizing that nightly news, which is now rated at an all-time low. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the mainstream news sources have fired, have mass firings and lowered their staffs because they can't afford to keep them because people have realized the absolute junk garbage propaganda that is being propagated by these organizations. So it lowers the, I mean, what they can charge for it when they don't have viewers. Right. I mean, your advertising fees are going to be um, relegated or, or uh, based on your viewership. So naturally, right. when viewers go looking for information elsewhere, the money is going to follow. Um. Before we end here, do you want to give like a, a little clue that we can go to on our next show with you about what you're going to do instead for a new operation since the herbal channels are blocked at the moment? Well, we're considering going into audio and video production. This is actually a dream of mine that I've had for a long time. Okay. And my my passion in life uh, comes from what makes me feel wonderful. Yeah, it's a good good criteria. And what makes me feel wonderful is when I can see myself influencing the world in a way that people come back to me and say, you helped me. Yeah, exactly. My health, my health is better. I understand something I didn't before. I was able to make changes in my life that make my life better because of something you did. And to yeah. me, that is my high. That is my passion. Right. That would gives me a sense. It's of interesting. I mean, there's a huge subject connected to that, but people say, you know, that selfishness is bad, and I think that's ridiculous. That everybody in everywhere is a hundred percent selfish. There, even the people who seem like they aren't. It's just that as they get spiritually more mature, they still want to feel good, just like the bank robbers do. They just have a different way to do it and they realize since everybody's connected if you want to feel great then pour out everything you've got to help everybody else and i think it's very important to think especially people who are in the public eye but understand that everybody has influence on other people around them all the time all the time and there's positive and negative both absolutely positive and negative both and and there's a ripple effect yeah 
you ha- understand that that how far reaching and how powerful the ripple effect is by what people hear you say and what people hear you do and see you do. That's right. So that's part of why this is a passion for me to go into a new industry like this, which I've wanted to for a long, long time, but I've been busy with this other yeah. business. Right. Now, I'm not anymore. Uh, this has been pulled out from beneath me, and so um, I would love to produce things that help people. May end up uh, having an incredibly great result. Well, isn't that interesting? You know, earlier I talked about how most of the herbalists, I know the vast majority of them will tell you that they got into becoming an herbalist or a naturopathic doctor or whatever they are doing to help people because they suffered originally. From sickness, yeah. Exactly. And so that whole fiasco of learning how to do it themselves, they had a passion to share it. And I think right. the and, way, the, and without the sickness, they couldn't have understood it. Right. I, and I feel that way, too, is that, I mean, when you go through trials in life, and I have been through many, mm. um, they, you can respond to them either by being bitter yeah. or you can say, what am I going to learn from this? What can I learn from this and do better? What's hidden in it that turns into an opportunity or some kind of a gift, right? Absolutely. And and regardless of the circumstances that you go through, and I would like to encourage people because I unfortunately, I do see the world taking a very dark turn and people are wondering what they can do and, and, and what they're going to do. Yeah, whatever the result, at least if we can feel like we're trying to contribute, you know, to a better future. Well, to understand, you can. I think you you can. You know, the big obstacle in our way is that there is a very, very powerful group of people who are trying to keep good things from happening because they want to be in the middle of it all profiting. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And, and so when we network with each other, and this is one beautiful thing I saw. I used to have home meetings, political meetings back in the 90s when I was um, trying to do something for my country. I wanted to help people yeah. in my country to have a yeah. better life. And I'm like, ooh, there's corruption. Let's expose the corruption, get rid of it, have better government, and then it's going to have better lives right. for people right. as a result. And those people would come to my house, and I would observe and say, I would watch them. And when people got together, they started making agreements. They started saying, hey, I want to buy some stuff from you. Or really, I didn't know that about that. You know about that, and I know about this. And they started educating each exactly, other, and relationships other. were formed. And that's where you begin to see. I saw this over and over again. I said, you know, that's where the power of divide and conquer is. Uh, the harmful power is that the powers that be want to keep that from happening. Yeah. But yeah. one thing you can do is get to know your neighbor, get to know other people, and offer to help them and serve them and share yeah. your knowledge and form relationships and don't let media divide people. Right, exactly. Spend the time better. Yeah, because so many of us really want the same things. Y- yeah, at the, at the base of it, everybody wants to feel good. Yeah, we want, we want good. Yeah. We want good for our children. We want good for our neighbor. We want to be able to live life and love the people we love and edify them. And, right. you know, there's so much good in this beautiful, this, this, this earth is an incredible, it's spectacular incredible place. It, you it, see it, pictures from countries all over the world. Nature is incredible in every one of them. Absolutely, it gives me. I'm getting goosebumps right now. I have been. I haven't. I've been blessed to travel. The, the United States alone is an incredible land. Yeah, very diverse, beautiful, striking. I've been in caves. 
Um, I've, I've gone from corner to corner just out of business, not because I was somebody right. who traveled a lot from pleasure, but I, I did a lot of business and had to travel. And, um, and um, people form relationships with your neighbors and your friends and have an attitude of servitude, I've heard somebody say once, towards other people. Yeah. It'll be amazing how it uh, changes the world over time. Yeah. I completely agree. Different consciousness. Okay, well, we'll look forward to the sequel when hearing about how you're doing with your new operation. And um, that was great. Thanks for all the things that you shared. They're very valuable. I hope people will listen as many times as they need to to make use of it. And um, hold on, and we'll say goodbye in the break here. So there goes Russ Tanner, you guys. And I hope you see why I wanted him on as a guest. I think he's great. He's just somebody who's motivated like that. Um, to help humanity and realizes that their own benefit is not different than the benefit of helping everybody they can possibly assist. Uh, it's not unselfish, but it's, it's a lot wiser than trying to get yourself ahead by hurting people. And gradually we all learn that lesson and turn out, say, wow, I didn't know that before, but um figuring out that's the truth. And it's one of the things we're not supposed to learn. So anyway, Russ's main site, which I got wrong at the beginning a couple of times, is global, G-L-O-B-A-L, skywatch, S-K-Y-W-A-T-C-H dot com. It's a great site about geoengineering with links to other groups that are of interest all over the world. A lot of great information on there. And he also has another site that he was talking a little bit about, Orbis Vitae, which is O-R-B-I-S, v-i-t-a-e dot com and uh, when we were talking off air right after the show um, which was right before I'm recording this wrap up party was saying the people um, go to orbisvitae.com and there's a really good video to see there by Dr. David Ayoub A-Y-O-O-B and it's in the forums tab or section on orbisvitae.com see what else um, we'll put links if we think of other stuff but I, I think most of the information that you need to get from Russ right now was in the interview so listen to parts of it as often as you need to that's a benefit of being able to access the archives and um, stay in touch with us at lostartsradio.com because if we are not on certain platforms and appearing on other new ones, which is in the process of happening. Then if you're, if you go to lostartsradio.com, you'll find out where we are for the coming week or, you know, some of the news and video articles and videos that we put up on the main website or our new ones are up there almost every day about what's going on in the outside world and some interesting stuff that is educational in, in nature. The other thing is if you have the means to support us and you want to, then to keep us on the air and fund some of our projects like the school that we have waiting that we need to get started on as soon as possible. Um, consider donating to our nonprofit Lost Arts Research Institute dot org. And there's donate buttons that go there on lostartsradio.com or lostartsresearchinstitute.org. And those are greatly appreciated. Not if you're struggling for survival. Obviously, you don't need to do that. But if you have discretionary resources and you feel like what we're doing is valuable and would like to see it continue, 
um, you can donate on those two sites. Donate button is right visible there. Or you can go to subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio, and there are ways to do it there that are self-evident as well on different levels. Uh, besides that, we have a Planetary Healing Club, which we've mentioned in numerous shows, and it meets once a week live, interactive, and we go much deeper into all these issues um, about forbidden aspects of health that have been taken away that we don't learn about anymore. Uh, it's, we're not diagnosing anything or doing anything illegal or, you know, prescribing anything or no interest in doing any of that. We're just sharing information. And if you want to find out more about that, it's not only physical health, it's also consciousness work and deeper, much more powerful things that I personally think can make a difference in the future. And it's been demonstrated already unquestionably on a small scale. And I think it doesn't have to stay on a small scale if we do our required internal work. If you're open to learning about that and actually doing it, planetaryhealingclub.com, and that's a portal that'll get you into the group. And it'd be nice to see you there on live, as is Doug every week. Lost Arts Radio Live is Saturdays every week at 4.30 Pacific and 7.30 Eastern, and then right after that finishes is Planetary Healing Club, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. So join us, and I think that's about it. We need to go, so I hope the rest of your week goes great. Thanks for meeting Russ Tanner with us. I hope you got a lot out of that. Listen to it again if you want to, and I look forward to seeing you here again next time. Have a good week. Take care of yourself. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com slash live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. 
They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the banned ones are on our YouTube channel at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month, where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. Life as we knew it just took a turn A turn to who knows where That fork in the road didn't see it coming Caught us unaware What we took for granted All been taken away Gotta do it different Gotta find another way Hold on We're all in this together It's a catch cry of the day We gotta be, period There's no other way But hey, can't cry all night There's a war to fight An enemy to put away Keep faith, isolate Help is on the way It's a new world order They've locked down the border Wherever we are That's where we have to stay No time for blame This is a runaway train Gotta apply the brakes For the future
future of humanity Gotta do whatever it takes Hold on We're all in this together It's a catch cry of the day We gotta be, period There is no other way But hey, can't cry all night There's a war to fight An enemy to put away Keep the faith Isolate Help is on the way There's a bad moon rising Armageddon In the shape of a virus Gotta stay at home It's life by phone This is what it's like to be alone But hold on We're all in this together It's a catch cry of the day We gotta be, period There is no other There's a war to fight and an enemy to put away Keep the faith, isolate, help is on the way Keep the faith, isolate, gotta believe, help is on the way